Confederacy adults, Toronto Raptors, Scotty B. Freezing. Freezing North, baby. Wi-Fi. Hotspot. Hotspot, freezing. Um, what's up? Uh, I'm Freddie Revis. This is my uh, co-host, Andy Hall. Yo, uh, how's it going, everybody? What's happening? Um, we're here with Alex Wong, author of Prehistoric and uh, co-host of the Raptor Show on Sportsnet. What's up, Alex? How you doing? Yo, what's good, my brother? Um, uh, feel like I've been hanging out with you guys for like almost <laughs> half an hour. Um, that's how like well we know each other, but I really appreciate you guys uh having me on to chat, man. Um, yeah, man, your uh, your book's amazing. Um, we're big fans of your show. And uh, yeah, I'm pumped to have you on. Uh, I should say we've had a lot of internet difficulty and I have no idea how long I'm going to last. So I think I just want to jump into some questions before before my internet goes. Like, listen. Yeah, for those that end. don't know, we're not going to get into it again. <laughs> Sorry, I can't stop laughing. Like we're not I thought this was the, the reason we no, started no, no, no. over. No, no, no. This is this is this is the real episode. This is the real episode. Oh. But I feel like you know, for people who like listen to the Raptor show or like listen to what I do, like you know, we love providing just like full transparency on things. Yeah. And like this is literally like our third attempt at recording because oh. Freddie. As like the world's <laughs> worst internet connection, so I'm oh. here. Andy's here. Uh, let's let's do it, man. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, you guys are here. I'm sort of here. Um, we appreciate your patience, Alex. Okay, honestly, here I go. Um, first question uh, about about the book. Um, did I just freeze? <laughs> No, you're good. Okay, good, good. Well, that's better than me. I mean, maybe it's not better than me actually freezing again. But <laughs> you really came on your own show and you said, I don't know how much time I have left. <laughs> like a minute in. Uh, <laughs> this has to be the funniest part <laughs> I've ever been on. I'm like actually crying. <laughs> well, you guys have to put a timestamp. I'm like 40 minutes. In. You're gonna get we, so many of those. Like the, the, the really off. funny thing is though, is we started over to get past all of the laughing about yeah. how long it's taking, and then all we're doing is laughing about how long it's taking. Which honestly, that's 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 great. Yeah, I can't stop laughing. Okay, Freddie, I don't <laughs> you know. can't, man. I don't know how much time you got left. But Yo, how much I, time you got left? You're not long much, for this world. I'm not long for this world, man. I'm barely hanging on, dude. Yo. I've never heard a host come on. <laughs> <laughs> intro the pod and be like i don't know how much time i got left. start of the podcast yeah, yeah, it's it's like not even 40 minutes in. it was part of your intro <laughs> holy okay. shit okay I'm, I'm settled i'm settled <laughs> listen i don't know if we're gonna get settled but we just gotta we got like honestly we gotta I guess keep keep moving on. 
I'm okay. Sorry, no, don't be. This is great. <laughs> this is great podcasting, man. This is what we do. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Yeah. yeah okay. I actually have questions. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, I, so I have to go. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, okay. honestly, yeah, we have lives. I mean, uh, no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Guys, okay, let's go. Okay, okay, here we go. Um, my first question is: you you had so many interviews, incredible interviews in your book, um, and I'm I don't know. I'm kind of curious: is there like an interview that sort of like opened up a bunch more? Like, is there like a Paul Jones moment where you're kind of like. You, you met this person and then they're like, I'll hook you up with all these people you need to talk to. You want to talk to? Yeah, for sure. You know, the, the, the biggest interview of the book actually, and the most important person that I met was, uh, Elaine Kwan, who was hired by the Raptors. She was working at Gretzky's at the time. Mm-hmm. It was a very popular restaurant, um, downtown and where like a lot of the A-list kind of sports stars hung out. And she was one of the people who, like, was in her early 20s. Like, one, she was a huge basketball fan growing up in Hamilton. And then uh, John Beethoven Jr., the ownership group, actually, like, hired all these people to help them sell season tickets. So, like, they, they went into um, the office, like, every day kind of cold call businesses, cold call people because they had to meet these season ticket requirements. So, like, Elaine actually told me all these cool stories. And then what I came to learn was, like, Elaine was kind of the hub for all of these first year Raptors people from like players, owners, um, staff, because what happened was like they still organize reunions every 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And everybody still keeps in touch. Like Elaine still talks to Damon Stoudemire. Elaine still uh, still talks to Tracy Murray. Elaine still talks to members of the dance pack. So like, you know, I, I, I knew that I wanted to track down a lot of these people and you know, I probably would have done it, but it would have just taken me so much longer mm-hmm. and having to make so many different connections. And the fact that I had Elaine on my side and she was like super supportive of this project. Once I talked to her early, um, you know, in the project, she was able to introduce me to everyone. And when I tell you everyone, I mean, like, like everybody, like she introduced me to like, um, like Eddie Williams, who was like a club promoter who did a party with Michael Jordan the night before that they beat the 72 and 10 Bulls. Um, and then like, she introduced me to Damon and we did a bunch of zooms last summer. Like she connected me with Samuel L. Jackson's like manager. And I was able to do an interview with him. Like the connections that's just opened up was just like incredible. So like, um, yeah, if you would ask me that question, like without a doubt, it had, it had to be, it has to be a link. That's so cool. Cause you know, I was curious about that. Just, you know, I was wondering how much it was you like kind of like pounding the pavement, emailing people. And, you know, if there was someone who was this connective tissue and yeah, her thread throughout the book is, is amazing. Like, you know, from, from starting as a seller to, to heading towards this kind of like this, well, what's the position? It's like a community community relations. Like she worked in community relations. She helped like, uh, you know, the Raptors would like refurbish new courts around the city. Like she would work in different communities to connect the team with like basketball leaders and, and all that stuff and bring players to the schools for appearances and stuff. It was super cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and and the sheer amount of sort of interviews and quotes and detail in this book is like it's just is mind blowing. If you're like a hardcore Raptor fan, it's like just the best possible experience. But I also feel like if you are someone 
who's at all curious about like how a franchise works mm-hmm. like this is definitely like like you know beyond like how the sausage is made this is like this is like this whatever this is the most detailed version of a sports franchise like you know i, I feel like i i've by reading this have had the like privilege of kind of like even thinking about aspects of a team that i've never thought about before yeah for sure no i really appreciate you um saying that about the project and like one of the things i've been telling people obviously doing a lot of these interviews um is that like you know like you mentioned if you're a diehard raptors fan you know i think you're you're gonna like dive headfirst into this book and you know you're gonna like either remember a lot of things or definitely learn a lot of new things that maybe you didn't know about it's going to recontextualize how you remember the start of the franchise for younger fans this is just going to be entirely new canvas for you but i also tell people like i feel like this book is very accessible even if you just want to learn a piece of like toronto history like this Mm -hmm. is the history of how like a modern day basketball franchise started in the city um and the way i've always written about basketball and like the stories that i like to tell um you know they're always told on a very i guess like human level in terms of telling the stories of the people that were involved and like ultimately that's where i think this project led me to by talking to all these people and putting these stories together it's really about just a group of people like starting from the ownership starting from the staff starting from the broadcast team the game ops team everybody like within the organization and then the players and then people around the city like how did all these people from all these different backgrounds come together and how do those pieces actually started to fit together so um that's ultimately what this book is to me is just like the story of the people who like made the raptors possible yeah and you know you you do such a like an amazing job like the book's hilarious um and it's also so heartfelt like and yeah i'm wondering kind of how you threaded that needle like there's obviously these like amazing moments that were like embarrassing or humiliating um you know whether it's like the mascot and the dinosaur egg or mm-hmm. you know like like there's just so much detail that's funny but also mm-hmm. you know i think you do an amazing job of kind of like showing all these personal journeys and like working towards like a collective goal you know yeah again man um i really do appreciate you kind of highlighting those aspects because it's like obviously i spent the last like two and a half three years like working on this book starting to get feedback now from people who are like reading it like yourself and it's super cool to see how people like interpret the the content and and i haven't heard anybody kind of mention that to me in terms of like mixing the 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 humor the quirkiness of of that era Mm -hmm. and then obviously also with the more serious storytelling about the people you know for me like to answer your question like i think those aspects just kind of um naturally blended together because like you think about it it's like oh this is a franchise that like was named because uh john beethoven jr the owner his son had just watched jurassic park like his seven-year-old kid and like he was like man i really like dinosaurs and then they decided to like name and name them the toronto raptors and it's like uh they handed out the thunder sticks in the wrong direction um on opening night and they were waving it in front of tracy murray when he was shooting free throws because like there was just like so much of this like learning curve and like education process so like the humor just was in there by itself and it's like they played at the sky dome and like there were players who lived at the sky dome um (laughs) and it's like some of that stuff i didn't even have to like work too hard like the facts themselves because of the era being so like basketball being so new and like how quirky everything was it kind of just lent itself and like i think it just goes back to kind of i guess whatever you want to call it like, like my sensibilities when it comes to like wanting to write 
stories it's like i always see kind of like the humor and things mm -hmm. and it's why like i was having like a 20 minute laughing fit about like you know your internet totally. stuff. it's like no it's like it's like things are just funny to me um and it's like I, I think that does come out in the way that i like tell stories and things like that but um ultimately you know you have to blend it in with a more kind of serious approach and i think i think wherever i landed with this project was kind of a combination of those two things yeah man it, it shows and you know i think like recognizing when something's funny is important and it's sort of like a it, it's a different way of being honest and kind of like being truthful to a moment and being present and um yeah uh another thing i sort of like i feel like it's just a huge part of this book that i'm i'm born in 1986 i'm kind of like a vince carter era fan mm -hmm. like a lot of people right you know i thought he was michael jordan for a little while right so that was like that's how me and my you know my brother miguel who i started watching the raptors with all the time like that's how we got that's how we became sickos and we're like obsessed with the raptors um but yeah like this 1994 fiba tournament it seems like not everybody but so many people who ended up working with the raptors like their journey either goes through there or starts there like were you clued into this as being like a major impactful you know sort of thing that is like precedes like all the raptor stuff or in this journey did you find it and you're like whoa everybody was here yeah, um, that was a that was a bit of something that I, I think I discovered as as I was talking to everybody in the book, because like you mentioned, it's like the FIBA World Championship happens here in Toronto in 94. Um, the sequencing of events is kind of funny because it's like, so originally the tournament was supposed to be in Yugoslavia, and then there was a civil war, and then the FIBA, FIBA and the NBA, because at the time it was coming off Dream Team, right? So 92 is Dream mm -hmm. Team, you know, it's a huge deal, and, and 94 FIBA tournament is like, the next time that the NBA wants to like spotlight all their players internationally. But then there's a civil war that takes place and they're trying to find a new venue. And John Bitov Jr., the first owner of the Raptors, is actually the guy who helps bring the FIBA World Championships here in 94. But as he's doing this in 93, that's when the NBA opened up the expansion bids. And that's when uh, John Bitov was one of three ownership groups who put together a bid to bring a team to Toronto. So all this stuff was happening at the same time. John finds out at the end of 93 that he has won the bid. So he's going to get what is going to become known as the Raptors. Um, and then in 94, the following summer, before the Raptors start play, they have this kind of like rehearsal run of like, what's basketball going to look like, you know, mm -hmm. in Toronto? Because I think they play games in Hamilton. Um, it was at Maple Leaf Gardens and then the Sky Dome as well. And you're right. Like so many of these people, it's like uh, Herbie Kuhn was an announcer at the FIBA World Championships. And then he ends up getting hired. Um, Paul Jones did radio during the FIBA World Championship, and he gets hired. People in ticketing, people who ran the game ops and stuff. Because John kind of just knew everybody. He hired all these people as like volunteers or workers during the tournament. And then when it came time to hire for the Raptors, I think it was just natural for him to bring all these people on. But that, I, that part I really found out as I was working on the book, like you mentioned, it's like once I started asking everybody for their backstory – like 80% of their backstories, like all started at the FIBA world championship. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's, uh, you know, the first couple of times I was like, Oh, that's odd. And then, you know, like as it sort of keeps going, I'm like, this is like, yeah, it's such a central major event. That's a part of Raptors history that, you know, like certainly something I honest, honestly had never heard of. 
right? Like, it, 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 I, I didn't know that we had this huge, huge tournament where, yeah, people like, you know, they found people like Paul Jones and, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's crazy. Like, um, okay, well, uh, but my last sort of question before we go to some Raptor stuff and some NBA stuff is uh, a lot of this era – this this Raptors era, this NBA era, like there's there's so many there's so many wild nuggets. Like I think the Heat, or a, a, I'm not sure if it's a if it is the Heat, but somebody scores like 57 points. Uh, there's a Raptor game where there's no threes made and only 12 threes taken, and it was just it was just bringing me back to like basketball was so different. Obviously, we hear like you know how different and like harder it was in the 90s and Jordan rules and all that kind of stuff, but like with you sort of digging into the Raptors past, like were you, you know, like how do you reflect on that now as far as like where the game is and where it was? Yeah. You know, one of the things that really blew me away was like when the Raptors first came into the league, the salary cap for each team was 22 million. Um, mm-hmm. Like that was for the entire team. And obviously like people that know money and economics, you can adjust for the inflation. You understand how things have gone up and all that stuff. But even like, just looking at it as a, as a number on its own, like it's crazy to think about, right? Like how much, you know, the top players in the league was making. Like I remember this was like in 95 when they first started playing. Like I remember a few years after that, you know, obviously there's the bird rules and all that stuff. So like you can go over the salary cap to pay some of your own guys. I remember even Michael Jordan, like towards the end of his career with the Bulls was like signing these one year, like $30 million deal. Yeah, right. And now it's like, now it's like, that's uh that's like what Tyler Hero money um so it's like Truly. kind of like it's like kind of crazy to think about um so for me like that was the one thing that jumped out at me it's like uh the raptors had all these like expansion rules along with the grizzlies like they both had to work around like they were only allowed to use like three quarters of the salary cap so i think like they were only able to spend like 16 million in total on players in that first year um and in terms of like style of play like i think at the time like positions were just way more defined Um, Mm -hmm. Like players were just viewed as point guards and point guards only and point guards like brought the ball up court, you know, they distributed, they threw the ball in the post, whereas positions uh, obviously today in modern day is just so much more dynamic. But then it was also interesting to see things that were similar too. it's like one of the running threads in the story is like, you know, the Raptors first head coach, Brendan Malone, um, you know, who recently passed away. Um, you know, when I had a chance to talk to him a few years ago, like one of the biggest stories in the first year was like how he was managing Damon Sotomayor's minutes. And it, it kind of like as I was writing it, you know, there's a lot of talk with the present day Raptors of like Nick Nurse, like playing only six guys in like a double overtime game mm-hmm. against Miami and all this stuff. And it's like, even though things have changed, like a lot of the friction that does exist within basketball, like how coaches manage players, how these egos are managed, all this stuff, like a lot of that stuff I found like they, they'll just last because that's those those are the things that will take place those are the frictions that'll take place you know within a basketball team yeah like all, all the practice battles and stuff was, was so cool to hear the uh you know the, the esposito kind of like you know one-on-one with uh, uh carlos rogers yeah carlos rogers like that story is absolutely just incredible yeah like, you're, I, you're you're making me almost want to go read my own book again bro like you this should is, man this is how heavy the promo is because like i finished i finished writing it on uh in january so that would have been like 11 months ago you go through like a very like um like arduous like editing process fact checking and then you're reading that manuscript over and over again to the point it's like you could flip to page 93 and i could tell you what the first paragraph is which is mm-hmm. like 
kind of sickening. So like all to, all to say, by the time you submit it and it goes to the printers, probably around like April, May or whatever, it's like, I never want to see, I never want to see that, that book again. And it's like crazy. It's like this book. And then the last one I wrote cover story as well. Like I've never gone back and like actually flipped through again. Cause like when I look at it, um, all I think about is just all the times I've had, I've had to go through it, but it's, a, that's why like, I guess I say that all to say, it's like, it's really cool talking to you guys about it. Cause like, I vividly remember all these things that you're bringing up in the book, but they also seem so like distant from me. Now. Mm. Cause like, it's, it's been, it's like so far in the past now. So it's like kind of a crazy disconnect to me that you guys are consuming all this like now for the first time. And it's really cool to be able to like interact in this way about it. Yeah, man. Well, it's a, it's a cool thing you did. And I, and I feel like, um, you know, I, I've heard that sort of, that, that, that idea from a lot of artists, right. Who are, you know, deeply involved in something like, you know, I know there's like actors uh, who who are in the wire who have never watched an episode of the wire. Like, you know, this is a thing that that you know artists and creators do. Like, you're so in something, then when it's done, it's you're like, yeah, but I have a life though, so I have to like go to this next <laughs> thing, right? And I mean, yeah, I'm 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 happy you get to hear people sort of reflect on it, and and honestly, you deserve it. It's like it's just it's an incredible work, and and I hope that people read it, enjoy it. And, um, yeah, consume it. Like, I hope it's, uh, it sells out constantly for you. So, yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate that. And it's like, ultimately I think, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. I know this is more maybe of a kind of meta conversation about like, you know, authors, their relationship with their work and stuff, but it's like also like, you know, obviously I'm doing a lot of these interviews to like mm -hmm. quote unquote promote the book. But I think like, you know, you know me a little bit um, and people that know me know it's like, you know, I just love having these conversations, you know, as much as it's like, you know, I'm hoping people listen to these conversations and it's like, oh, you know, these tidbits that we discuss, like, you know, I am interested in this book, um, like book sales are cool, all that stuff. Listen, like, I'm not going to lie, like all that stuff is cool, but it's like ultimately, especially for a project like this, so personal to me, it's like I grew up a Raptors fan. And like I was 11 when the Raptors like started in 95 and I remember like just following them from the very beginning. Like ultimately, I just want people who like care about the Raptors um, to to be able to know about this project. Like I want like every single I don't know it's not gonna it's not possible, but it's like I want every single person that like cares about the Raptors in the same way that I do, in the same way that you guys do, to 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 like find out about this project and to read about it because like this book satisfied my curiosities about the beginning of the franchise, and I think that should be passed on to everybody else who cares about the team as well. Yeah, well said. Um, uh, I can't. Yeah, I can't wait for people to get their hands on it. I it's it's like these stories of the the beginnings of such a like a now massive franchise to us. Like to think back when it first started, how honestly, how like we didn't realize how big a deal it was. I feel like most of us. I was. I I, I guess I'm I'm only slightly older than you, Alex, so I was like yeah a year or two older than you. So like like i was i was watching those bulls teams win and I, and like i was just getting into basketball when we got the raptors so it was like perfect timing for me when the raptors came but like mm -hmm. even i didn't realize how wicked and cool it is to have an nba team and i feel like the entire city didn't really clue into it until a couple years later so it's so fun to to like look back on those really early years especially and and hear all these like really cool stories and and i don't know i mean i'm with you i like hearing about like uh, uh freddie I, I i like hearing about like the the real germination of like of like getting a franchise like like the nitty-gritty of that kind of stuff that's a really that's what's really cool 
Yeah, no, I appreciate I appreciate you saying those things, um, Andy. And I think I think that's the other thing. It's just like the NBA was just like it was just such a foreign thing to so many people in this city, right? Like I know we talk about it being foreign to like I don't know, like reporters covering the game or like fans and stuff. But it's just like, um, and I always have this conversation a lot. It's like Toronto, like is still a hockey first town, and I don't think that's ever going to change. Um, but it also shouldn't take away from the fact that like the the kind of overall population of like basketball fans or Raptors fans in the city is is just continuing to grow, right? Like you look at it from like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, even like five years ago, like before the championship and stuff. I, I feel like I feel like in a lot of ways, like the Raptors are still in their very early stages of their franchise. Like as crazy as it is to like think about it, because mm-hmm. like I always compare to like, you know, the Lakers or like the Celtics, you know what I mean? And it's like, you can go back to like Bill Russell with those guys, like Jerry West, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's like, they're scratching like 50, 60 years of history and all this stuff. And it's like, we're just coming up upon like the 30th anniversary coming up in 2025. So like, even though it feels like the, the Raptors franchise is like, I guess like, in a mature, more mature phase now, like they're still very much in their very beginning to me. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, and, and, uh, I, me and my, like I, all my brothers were, were, we share season seats and we, we became season seat holders, uh, section 309. Um, stop by and, say hello. Yeah. This guy's just going to dox himself. I know. Right. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> no context, just tech savvy. No, don't worry about it. Tech savvy. That's like me nine. saying Rogers and <laughs> no straight up. Let's go. L five. Um, What's going on? No, but like we, I, I still remember showing up to. You know, the, the, there was a time when when you could show up, uh, sit in your season seats, and then they would there would be empty spots and you could move like two seats forward and one seat to the left and like mm-hmm. we sort of like we had a couple of years where we like wiggled closer to the center of our section mm-hmm. and like went a couple rows up and then obviously that you know the the season seat holder you know like there was no there's no extra room like that filled up mm-hmm. so you know there is still a lot of ground being broken you know mm-hmm. on, a, on a fairly regular basis uh for the raptors yeah and listen man like there was a time when like, you know, if, if you worked at a company or something, you know, maybe, you know, your company had access to like Raptors tickets and people would like give you a pair of tickets. Like it wasn't some coveted thing, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, oh, I got tickets to a Raptors game on Wednesday. Do you want those? It was kind of like they were just kind of peddling that stuff, like giving that away. And it's like, um, you know, and then that's, I think, the worry a lot of times when, you know, coming off like the championship, the team didn't play really well last year. And there's still questions about what this roster is going to look like in the future and stuff. This is ultimately the worry of like the Raptors slipping back into those phases where for, for sure. like a five, 10 year period coming up, it's like, do people in the city really care about that stuff? And like attention spans are short, right? With like sports and stuff, especially with sports, I think, because like fandom is such a like fickle thing. So um, I feel like it's constantly, it's a constant battle. For like the raptors like they're they're obviously on more stable ground now but you know i even remember like after the damon stoudemire trade happened like in the third year of the franchise and before fence came there was so much talk about whether the you know this basketball team would survive in this city 
Um, and even after Vince got traded, that became like a huge talking point of like, oh, yeah. is this the end of basketball for like Toronto? So it's like, I don't think we're ever going to get back to that point just because I think the, the the franchise and the sport here in this country and this city is like way more stable. But at the same time, it's very easy to lapse back into those kind of like dark days. For sure. You know, um, especially you, you, we have examples like Vancouver, like Seattle, you know, which is obviously a different story, but like, you know, cities lose their teams. Like it's a thing that happens. So I feel like that insecurity is maybe, you know, sort of like you're saying, it might be a bit unfounded now, but like, man, that, that, that trauma of getting left by superstars or like losing the team, like those fears live in people. Uh, and I think that fans kind of operate from that space sometimes. Yeah, for sure, man. And, and it's like, I always say to man, I didn't think I was going to bring up Kawhi again. Damn it. But like, it's like, it's like, you know, like, like championship and stuff like that. Like, I think it's, it's, it's crazy to think that the Raptors are like the one franchise um, really in like NBA history where you win a championship and the best player on your team is like getting introduced on another franchise, like two weeks after the parade. Like, I feel like I, I feel always like think about that. <laughs> no, I, but I, it's, I honestly it's, think yeah. about that like once a week. <laughs> yeah. I think about it a lot and it's like, on our show too like sometimes will gotta stop me because like i feel like i can always find a reason to like bring Kawhi up like every day because yeah. it's just like it's just one of those things that like i don't feel like we've properly like processed it no like, i think the, no. the championship was so amazing and you're never gonna have that taken away from you but at the same time it's like so difficult to sit here and like always have to in the back of your head wonder like what could have been in terms of like you know repeating as champions or what that team would have looked like what the direction would have been and all this stuff right so and i think and i think part of it too is like it's it would have it would be easier for raptors fans to stomach you know the the kind of down times if you want to call it of the last few years if the whole Kawhi era had been allowed to play out um, yeah. to its like full conclusion you know what i mean it's like mm -hmm. and i'm not even asking for like a championship the following year it's like I just wanted Kawhi on this team to see like what they would have done. Like we didn't even get to, I mean, it's two prong. Like we didn't get to properly defend the championship because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, and we also didn't get to properly defend the championship because we didn't have the same team. Like we, we brought back everyone, you know, except for Kawhi, I know Danny left as well, but it's like, and we were great. We were like what fifty three and nineteen before. Yeah, we, you know, we had second before, best record in the league. Yeah, before before Rudy Gobert like invented uh, COVID. Uh, yeah. But but it's like like it was just like we didn't get we didn't get that closure. And and I think part of that is going to linger with with the fans. And and to be honest, the only way you can get over it is win another championship. And we know how hard that is, like especially in the NBA. Yeah, well, well said. Um, you know, I, I I think about these things all the time and. Um, you know, I feel like that energy kind of carries the day still, unfortunately. And, and and you're right, like winning is the only way to like kind of exercise that demon. But obviously we know how unlikely and hard that is. Um, oh, I thought and, you were transition. Oh, no, I wasn't. I was going like, to transition. But Andy was pointing like you just froze again. So I was like, no, 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 no. I love how Freddie no. is just so weird. No matter what we do, that he froze. Yeah, <laughs> Yo, you're traumatized now. That's why. Yo, man, I'm like Kawhi's leaving. I'm freezing. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, let's uh, let's talk about, just a little bit uh, about current Raptors. There was a wild comeback again uh, yesterday. Um, it's our you know second sort of like record breaking, <laughs> record tying comeback of the year. Uh, I think our fourth biggest comeback in Raptors history, and we only hit four threes. Um, <laughs> it's wild. 
it's wild. Like this team's nuts. What's and happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four, I don't know. Four what... for four for twenty one, man. You got to give them the proper context. It's so yeah. Funny. Fair enough. We took twenty one, so things mm-hmm. change, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, what's your? Yeah, but the this is for both you guys. Like, what sort of is there a through line so far this year? Obviously, it's a young season. Yeah, Andy, you wanna you wanna go ahead? I think the through line is that there is no through line so far. Uh, it's like you know, you start off. Thinking you know the makeup and and the identity of this team, sort of, and but also kind of constantly questioning it, and then you're like, okay, like, well, we're not going to be relying on our shooting, obviously, and then like uh, a game, uh, uh, like um, maybe that was it the Bucks game where you're just like, oh, oh, I guess we can shoot a little bit, okay, maybe mm-hmm. we shoot now, and you know, and then it's like, and then the next game, it's like, no, we don't, we absolutely do not, uh, we are not a shooting team, should have, should have reminded us that, and then you watch. Uh, uh, the Dallas game, and you're like, oh, okay, uh, you know, we don't even need shooting. We're fine. Get in the paint. We're good. And then it's just all, it's just all over the place. It's yeah. like, oh, Scotty B, only guy on this team we can rely on. Don't worry, Scotty's going to carry us. Okay, never mind. Now it's Pascal. Pascal is the only guy who's going to, he's the guy we need only. You know what I mean? It's like, but I love it. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's so fun. Yeah. I think, um, I think obviously, I think people are having more fun watching the team this year. And it does feel like, it does feel like based on the changes or the approach in their play, like, you know, people just feel like they're building towards something at least, at least mm-hmm. this year. And obviously Scotty's at the focal point of that, like seeing the way that he's rebounded from wh- whatever you want to call it, like a disappointing second year last season, um, you know, to me. And I don't think, I don't, I don't think I mean this as kind of like as, as a bummer, but it's like the Raptors are a 500 team. Like, like, you know, they're literally five and five right now as we talk yeah. and they play like a 500 team like they'll lose to portland on a monday and then they'll beat milwaukee on a wednesday not that i think like milwaukee is like some juggernaut team like i know that's like a separate topic but it's like this is what 500 teams do right like they'll get blown out by some good team so they've got blown out by philly i think twice this year already they got blown out in boston they'll have some really exciting comeback wins like against san antonio and against the washington wizards and then they'll have a bunch of other games that will like frustrate you or excite you and stuff um, you know, I think ultimately, like Andy mentioned, it's like I think I think the Raps right now are are like dead last in in half court offense. Yeah, um, and and that that kind and of tracks first and fast break. Yeah, yeah. and that Predict- tracks very if, predictably, right? Yeah. yeah, and that tracks if you're watching them. So it's like as much as we want to scrutinize, like oh, how Scotty's doing, how Scotty and Pascal gonna fit, you know, what's OG's future and stuff. They just need more talent on the roster. Like they clearly don't have enough talent as it is right now um to to be a good enough team on the offensive end and i think their defense has been really impressive you know that's part of the reason why they've been able to make these comebacks but you're not going to go far in this league if if you're struggling to score like this right so i think i think ultimately within this regular season um i think fans are going to be going to have a lot of fun like kind of ups and downs but it's kind of like last season in terms of like heading into the deadline like who's going to be leaving who are we keeping who are we trading and then same thing in free agency. So, like, I'm just hoping regardless of what direction they go, like, at the trade deadline and then in the summer, like, those decisions are going to be made and we're going to know who we're moving forward with. Yeah, I think the, you know, I've said this before, but I feel like the ambiguity around the team, you know, whether you're sort of like, hey, I, I think Messiah's like, you know, has some kind of unrevealed plan or whatever, or you're sort of like done with Messiah, you think he's washed, like, I think, 
saying a general manager or saying a president is washed is so funny <laughs> people say it though every time I, I i've heard besides washed or maybe it's like the twitter of, of it all yeah. like, but it's like can we yeah. can we just say he's made bad moves like like yeah. saying saying a non-athlete <laughs> is washed is so funny to me. it's it like is. there's an ex- expiry date on a on an executive yeah. like this, yeah yeah this it's bank, like besides, C, this bank yeah. cfo is washed man Besides lost a step on WhatsApp, like, <laughs> yo, man, he's completely he's, lost a step. <laughs> yo, besides with tech savvy now, man, you're like he's, he's sweating it up, bro. <laughs> yo, you can't hold it down. Um, but but no, I think like this team sort of like there's so much sort of I don't know, like it's it's tough to make sense exactly of what's happening, and I feel yeah that has really affected fans. Like there's almost this, you know, like I've been saying, like I I kind of want the front office even if it's not like pick a direction was just sort of this cliche. We keep hearing, like I want them to kind of punch back. Cause like, if your players are in rumors for years, like that gets to them, you know? And I think that gets to the team and there has to be this sort of like prideful energy, which, you know, maybe Darko is working on, maybe he'll bring, but I think that's, that's the real work in progress that I'm fascinated about, you know? Yeah, and I think one of the one of the biggest running storylines right now is is like you know Pascal's future with the team. Like you know, clearly, I think you know if if you want to choose to look at it this way, you can see like maybe the writing's on the wall in terms of like what that long term partnership is going to look like, um, just based on Pascal's age, and, and based on them you know looking to rebuild this whole team around Scotty. And I think sometimes we don't we got to look at it not just from like the team's perspective it's like from pascal's perspective too right like he's like 29 30 he's won a championship clearly an all-star um an all-nba caliber player like you know if they don't sign an extension like during the season here and like he goes to free agency you know i i think pascal would probably want to be in a better situation like a yeah. you know go to a go to a team where they're more ready to win like you know i've thought a lot about like oh what he might look like um say next to Joel Embiid in Philly because like they have a lot of cap space and they could make that work um and there's like no shortage of teams like you know OKC I think would be like yeah Indiana would be a great trade partner as well so um you know I think that's the big question for me if I'm thinking long term right now is are we bringing Pascal back are you guys committing to this kind of Scotty Pascal thing and then of course like the the questions just keep coming because then it's like okay like you got money to bring OG back to because that's probably going to be like a max contract in the offseason. But then it's like if you don't bring Pascal back, then it's like, okay, let's not make the same mistake as you did with Fred and let's let's engage with these teams at the trade deadline because I can't imagine there's going to be a better player than Pascal available at the trade deadline this season if he were to be made available. Yeah, I mean, he has to be at the top of the list. Like, I, I feel like he's got to be near top of the free agent list too. If he if he makes it all the way to the summer, right? Like, who's not? You know, look look at that Washington game, right? Like this, like this guy can, you know, obviously he's been sort of deferring so far this year, but like, yeah, people know what he can do. Like his his value is not going to get low. I don't think. No, for sure. I think I think he's got a he's got a credible enough resume um and and to be honest like i was I, I was surprised you know based on all the reporting in the summer like pascal seemed very open to to making this his his long-term home and it, you know yeah. it was just surprising to me even on media day like hearing 
the narrative being pushed of like Pascal has to figure out like how to fit into like Darko's new system. Really? I was like, man, I was like, man, this sounds kind of disrespectful, man. Like, Truly. like you know, like Pascal is a certain level of player. Like why are we, why are we treating them this way? So I'd be interested yeah. to see where this storyline ultimately goes. Agreed. And, and, and yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just add that, um, you know, even, even in the, uh, in, in, in the, in the Darko presser, they were like, what, you know, when's Pascal getting a gold chain? And he's like, well, you know, like you only scored 39 points and it's like, it's just points. It's like, I think that matters like in basketball, like, well, I love, I love obviously like, um, this is the new Raptors strategy this year. It's like, whenever they're struggling, it's like, yo, drop a, drop a behind the scenes Darko clip, man. Like show them hyping up everybody yeah. uh, in the locker room, like get the fans going. And listen, I've been hyped to see them be this excited and come together as a team after like every win. Um, but I think Darko about to learn that there's limitations of like uh, like singling out one player and praising them with a chain, like after a game, especially in an NBA yeah. where it's just like full of egos and stuff. And especially with like the Raptors fan base where it's like, oh man, I can't believe you gave the chain to Boucher when, <laughs> when Pascal had 39 points. It's like Raptors fans like only need like an inch to like create any controversy. And it's like yeah. the post-game chain is like going to be the easiest thing to have an argument and suddenly by like tomorrow it's going to be like oh man like darko hates pascal yeah i mean i'm honestly if malachi I mean, doesn't it, get the chain soon i'm ready to snap malachi's fighting for a chain he <laughs> is in there he wants the chain if but it is yeah. kind of it yeah. is kind of nuts it wasn't pascal though am i right like it is kind of nuts a yeah, little. i mean i mean i can see but this is the problem when you only have one chain it's like when you <laughs> When you, you gotta get multiple back, chains. We need well, multiple I chains. I literally like, like I was in the I was in the presser when when Aaron Rose uh, of SI I think he was the one who asked the question. He because like he asked he asked Darko post game like who got the chain, and, and Darko was like Chris Boucher, and then Aaron Rose was like what not Pascal, and then and then like and then Darko had to like get real defensive about it, um just because like. <laughs> Like he had to like kind of like put out the put out the fire, and then after the press ended, I told you don't I get told, the chain, man. Yeah, but I told everyone I was like, there's only one solution: two chains, man. You gotta go. You gotta go two chains here. Like sometimes I mean, you might gotta give you might gotta give the two chains, but it's like, but it's like, yeah, like I, I want I want Garrett Temple to to get a chain before Pascal. This is the controversy <laughs> that I want. It's like it's like man, Pascal tonight against the Boston Celtics, you know, in-season tournament game on a Friday, had 55 points, you know, went to the free throw line 23 times, hit the game winner. But you know what? Garrett Temple's speech right before that last possession. Yeah, you deserve speech. Garrett, Garrett, the chain is all yours, man. I just – I want it to be a running bit where Pascal just, like, <laughs> never gets the chain again. You know, Pascal, yeah, he, he, he scored 42 all in the fourth quarter, but <laughs> – uh, you know, when I put Grady Dick on for two minutes, everyone chanted his name. So yeah, here we yeah, go, yeah, Grady. yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, man, Pascal, man, seventy-three points tonight, <laughs> franchise record. But man, Malachi, the way you beat that eight-second violation with two minutes left. <laughs> I want, I want Darko just. Like, at some point, Darko just got to like pretend to give the chain to Pascal and give it to himself and be like, I, I, co I coached a good game. I think I think Darko should secretly give Pascal a second chain without <laughs> the rest of the team knowing. Like he calls Pascal into the office and he's like and he has a fake open gym crew there filming. So it's like a whole punk like situation. But then he's like, yo, Pascal, it's like this is how we do the chain now. 
So then Pascal gets the chain every game. But meanwhile, in real life, uh, someone else is getting the real chain in the locker room while like Pascal's being frozen out. Oh this God, is good. Like everybody's just laughing at Pascal. He's getting a fake chain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's God. like, this is good. It's like a Truman show for Pascal. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. good. <laughs> Um, okay, it's, it's uh, like Darko is all of a sudden Vince McMahon and, and Pascal is Stone Cold Steve Austin and they're just not letting him get the chain ever. It's always something he's you know, yeah, Pascal's yeah. gonna beat the crap out of him in a hospital with a bedpan yeah. at the end of the season. In, in, in February, we were gonna be like, Yo, is the chain washed? <laughs> the chain is washed, dude. Yeah, hey, the Blue Jays' home run jacket is washed. We don't want that. that yeah, thing's that's, lost step. It's that's right. Well, it wouldn't have mattered last year because they hit no home runs, <laughs> none so. exactly. Um, okay, let's uh, let's let's finish this off. I'm gonna, I want to do some some rapid questions based on your book. Is that yeah, cool? Let's, let's do it, man. Just hope you don't freeze. Yeah, <laughs> yeah honestly, um, no guarantees. Uh, okay, here we go. <laughs> I love how unconfident you are, <laughs> but I mean, it, it, honestly, see, like, okay, see, see, I'm chill now because like we've done enough where if you freeze now, like I don't care because we've done we've done most of the episodes. <laughs> But I was I know, nervous for an hour, though. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I know, right? We're all on the we're, we're on the edge here, man. This is this is how we do it here. <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> um, okay, I I love the expansion stuff. So, yeah. um, if the Raptors had to, like, we can do this as like a group, I guess. But if the Raptors had to expand, uh, I had to do the expansion rules today. Which eight players would you keep? Oh, on this team? On this this current team. Okay, so I guess you just keep the starting lineup, right? So, yeah. so what? Scotty OG, Pascal, uh, Jakob, uh, Dennis, um, and then Gary is six. Um, you know what? I'm going to make Gary available, actually. So Yeah, because I, I was going to say, yeah. I'd like to yeah. keep Precious. I no, still let me keep, keep that as five. So five, I keep I, I keep Grady as six. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Man. And then you're saying precious. I think so. I still believe in precious. Yeah, I'm kind of on the fence with that. Um, if we're protecting, who else is good off the bench? It I feel like the rest of them, I'm kind of like just chill about it. I know, isn't that the thing? It's like uh everyone else can go. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe I maybe I protect uh like Christian Coloco as well. Um, because he's a younger type player, so mm-hmm. keep him okay, fine. Coloco and then like precious as well. Let's do that. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, man, your, 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 uh, your, your John Sally stuff is amazing in this book. Like the, the new year's party, uh, there's just, I mean, that guy, that guy's career and, you know, legacy is wild anyways, but, um, this is the first time I've heard of, uh, a potential bar or club Sally's alley, which is is amazing. Um, like as a name and a concept and it got me thinking like, if you guys, it doesn't have to be a current Raptor, but like, what is a, like a club themed after, you know, a different Raptor? Um, well, what's the vibe? Yeah, man, I got so many inappropriate ones um, that I can't, I can't say, man, this is tough. I, I got actually one. Gonna, yeah, I need, I need, I need a lifeline. Yeah, I'll here, give so you some I'm time. I got a good one. Uh, Otto yeah. Porter Jr.'s Junior Auto Port. Oh, okay. Uh, I like that. Okay. okay. So it's themed around. Uh, uh, a car, a car like a garage, like a like a like a mechanic yeah. garage type thing. Okay, it's like but, barbecue uh, and stuff. 
Yeah, uh, what? I don't know. I feel, I feel like what? barbecue. No, it's a club that's themed around a garage. Eat. What do you mean a barbecue? What are you talking about? You frozen again. Gonna... That's, that's yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the auto port. Because I think in the UK they call a garage an auto a port, like a like an auto port or something. Okay, like that, okay, I okay. I don't know. Maybe not. How, how about just like a just like a temple's temple? Like it's literally just Garrett mm. Temple's spot. <laughs> Grady Dick. I don't. I don't got a lot for this one. Great. I got a lot for this. Grady Dick's dick hole. Is okay. That, no. Okay. Okay. No. It's a, that's all you, man. That's all you. Yeah. That, yeah. I'm not coming, yeah. man. That's, what that's do you mean? You. This is our podcast. We say whatever we want. <laughs> um, I, I think Malachi needs a bar. Malachi and Eric. Um, mm. him, him and his pops. It's just like a. Yeah, I like uh, that. Like they should. I mean? They should just buy like all the Kelseys or something. Yeah, buy, <laughs> buy up to Kelseys. Let's let's give that brand to like a or, little bit of a like Earls, yeah, or something like that. By the way, Earl's has a great prawn pizza, man. I hate to admit it. Tried it last week. Um, nice. Yeah, I hate um, admitting pizza's good. It's the worst. No, the the Earl's <laughs> the Earl's Happy Hour West Coast prawn pizza. I'm here to endorse it. All right. Yeah. All right. Wow, yeah. that's a nice I'm not, name. I'm not ashamed of it. That is Happy a nice Hour name. West Coast prawn pizza. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure I just made that up, but it's it's similar. It's some something like that on the menu. So just go in and ask them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay. No, they um, also have this double happy hour situation where you get happy hour prices at like eleven, um, which is them, which is actually great. We're now sponsored yeah, I don't by know Earl's, why, whether they yeah, like it or know, not. Yeah, I don't know why I just did a whole spot for Earls, but anyways, Shit. Yeah. I shouldn't have made that dickhole joke. Now we lost Earls as a sponsor. I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah, guys. Fuck, man. Um, Earls, don't worry about Andy. Alex has got a bunch of ideas. Hit him up. Yeah, that's gonna be um, the slogan every time you do an ad read. Earls, <laughs> don't worry about Andy. <laughs> Um okay, the the Leo's brother, George, I think it is. Yes, uh, George Ruggs, like, yeah. Heckling during the first game. Like, but but like I guess it was a, sort of a friendly heckle uh to to Coach Malone. Like, yeah. just, that's a wild story. Like um he, he actually knew, I don't know if this made it in the book, but like Brendan knew Leo because they both had like Syracuse connections, and Brendan knew George. Brendan knew George because George was like a highly touted Canadian basketball player coming up. Um, same with Leo as well. And George and Brendan actually had been at a wedding together. And that's how they like became friends because they had like a crazy night apparently. And Leo like famously like loved to party as well. So I think George was just giving Brendan a hard time like during that opening night. But it like he was heckling him so hard that Brendan had to go to Leo after the game and be like, yo, tell your brother to chill out. Cause like, I guess he was like super into it, but this might've been before sports gambling. So I don't think George had like a parlay going or anything. <laughs> He's not like, I, I need the nets to cover minus three and a half on opening night. But um, yeah, no, that, that was the, yeah. Thanks for reminding me of that. I forgot about that one too. Someone, someone needs to tell, uh, someone needs to tell Leo Round's brother that, um, uh, any uh, something that like every comedian knows, friendly heckling is still heckling, right? Like, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's the worst. It's, it's worst. the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you're the type of person who thinks it's okay to heckle, guess what? It's not. Don't if do you it. know it's not okay and you're doing it on purpose? Then okay, by all means. No, I don't. I don't like. I don't like the nature of the heckling, especially within like the comedy space, because it's just a very like look at me type oh, situation. Yeah. 
like it's just there's literally no like yeah there's like no substance behind heckling someone at like a comedy show is is why i hate it yeah there's actually i mean i didn't have this but there's such a good heckling story in in the first part of your book where all these execs are heckling and then the comedian does like the classic thing where he's like hey why don't you come up and and the the exec comes up and like totally bombs oh yeah that's right it's like the best conclusion of the story because it's like it's sort of what every comedian kind of wants to happen. Like if that story ended with being like yeah. and the exec and the exec totally killed. I'd yeah, like, oh, and, yeah, and the yeah. exec's name is Dave Chappelle. <laughs> like, <laughs> he went on to become Dave Chappelle. <laughs> no, but yeah, I forgot about that too. Yeah, this is when the Raptors ownership group like went out to New York and I think they had like, you know, they did their presentation to the league to bid for the franchise. They went out to celebrate after. And I think they went to uh they went to a comedy place called danger danger fields i want to say i forgot mm-hmm. but it's like um yeah and then and, and and then uh david peterson the former premier of, of ontario who was part of the ownership group was like heckling uh the guy non-stop and then he went on and did a set and just absolutely bombed sometimes good. it's good sometimes it's good for uh for civilians to be humbled to to to, 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 to like not to realize that like stand-up comedy is like an art form yeah. and it's like you know this is why i always tell people because like 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 i'm fucking hilarious but i'm like yo like i'm I'm funny in like a real life conversational kind of way like if you put me on stage right now i don't got five jokes for you you know what i mean like it's it's an art form i think you could yeah you could could pull together i think you'd you'd be surprised yourself don't encourage me because if i bomb (laughs) like you will never see me again (laughs) listen i'll I'll just be i'll encourage you i'll be in the back and i'll be like I got so scared for a second that Freddie froze again. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, wait. Um, the the question for this was who's oh, an unlikely? No, all good. Who's an unlikely heckler? Like unlikely, uh, unlikely heckler. Who sits court for this? I mean, yeah, for this Raptors yeah, I mean, team. Like, Drake, someone... Drake's too easy of an answer. Um, you know, maybe a Jesse Reyes type situation. Mm, you know, Jesse Reyes is courtside a lot. Um, that's about it, man. Who else? Who else sits courtside a lot? I mean, we got Nav Batia. Um, Nav would be pretty unlikely. Like he get he lets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of just like someone really obscure, but I guess we don't have a lot of stands like that courtside. I mean, our Ar- Arkell's guy. Sean oh, Desmond. that's right. Yeah, Sean yeah. Desmond. Okay. Think Sean Desmond will be there? Maybe. I, I like the Sean Desmond too. I like the Sean Desmond. <laughs> um, I I feel like I saw fun. him at a Raptors game once. No, no, he has. He has, he has. I remember he was on the jump. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, 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 yeah. This, this, no, this is a real reference. No, I, I, it's good. Sean Desmond inspired, um, you know, people like myself to to want to wear like velour suits in high school. Um, and hats. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's great. Get him, Sean. He's crazy. This guy said, "Get him, Sean." <laughs> like Sean's career didn't pass him by like fifteen years. <laughs> Yo, twenty twenty three. Get him, Sean. <laughs> Yo, Get him, Sean is the funniest thing I've heard today. Yo, Sean, talk to me, man. We, we've yo, all we've all had our two, we've all had our tech savvy moments. Yo, good. talk to me, Sean. <laughs> you can rebound. Um, <laughs> okay, um, okay. This was amazing. You uh, you sort of went through the whole naming process, um, and and obviously you know you mentioned earlier, Beethoven um, was heavily influenced by his kid and um and jurassic park but i i'd heard some of these names but the but the top 10 names were i mean there's some interesting ones in there so i'm curious you two guys like what is 
you know, besides the Raptors, uh, I'll list I'll list the other nine names. What would be if we didn't go with the Raptors? What would be the name that you'd like the most? So we got Beavers, Bobcats, Grizzlies, Hogs, Scorpions, T Rex, Tarantulas, Terriers, or Dragons. Uh, I just want to say that I'm absolutely shocked that the other two names that I think that it should have been or could have been are not on, even on this list. Mm. Where's Huskies and where's Towers? Well, he he, remember... he goes through that, and uh, I mean. Okay, there you go. Okay, but like I, I remember, I remember in the newspaper like poll when I was a kid, being like the like voting for I think the towers when I was little. But then, and then it came out as Raptors. But 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 are you telling me that that was not the official uh, naming like w- the way they named it? No, I'll so let, they I'll did let Alex so, take it. Yeah. No, they did the naming contest. Um, you know, the Huskies obviously going back to that team that was here for a year in '46. They didn't, um, the league didn't want them to name it the Huskies because the Timberwolves had just come in in 89 and the logo would have been too similar um, in terms of the Husky and, and the Timberwolves. And then the Toronto Towers was actually a team that was almost came here in the 80s when the Cleveland Cavaliers almost moved to Toronto. And it was really? proposed. I was yeah, and that's in the book as well. Dude, that's the whole uh, Stepien thing, right? Stepien yeah, yeah. This yeah. Is oh, Ted that's, that's the amazing part. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah this, yeah, this is when Ted Stepien like wanted to bring the team here. So like, I think there was some like negative connotations or association with the Towers name as well because of that saga. So like, seems they, as though we all yes. got to read the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, they um they ended up going with the names that Freddie mentioned. But I think even before they narrowed it down to those like nine, ten names, like they obviously got a lot of fan submissions. And like I remember the raccoons was one of them that like didn't make oh, the cutoff. Yeah. And like I thought Toronto raccoons would have been pretty good. Um, but if you were to make me pick from there, I think Toronto tarantulas would be kind of cool. Just okay. like thinking of like the mascot. Like remember imagine just like a giant tarantula <laughs> That's just so crawling scary. around. Just crawling around. Uh-huh. Eight eyes? Yeah. That, that's the least kid friendly thing. Yeah. But it's funnier scared. if they tried to make it kids friendly, but it just comes out <laughs> even scarier. Yeah, it's like the Stanford tree version of the tarantula. Yeah. It's you know? like a tarantula, but he's dressed like Barbie or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, um, I'm happy it's not the Hogs. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah what a brutal <laughs> name. No, no sauce. No sauce on the Hogs. But some of these other ones are kind of like wild and wacky. Um, tarantula is the one I'd probably pick. Um, also, to me, like, because I remember, you know, like the, the Timberwolves thing, like that answered my Huskies question. But then seeing the Terriers on there, I'm like, what's the deal here? Some dogs yeah. good, some dogs bad? Yeah, no, that's fair, man. I feel like we need to call PETA on that. Um, Huskies are more wolf-like, you know, like what well, we would have like a what like a like a Scottish like a Scotty, without a bit yeah. of logo, like a Scottish yeah, no, terrier. No, that that really might have been it. Um, Not exactly intimidating. A dog okay. this big, you know? <laughs> oh God, it's looking at me. Okay. Um. Okay, Doug, I got two more for you. So uh bare naked ladies got the opening gig which is a really fun story too um and yeah i'm curious like who do you guys think uh you just put nude woman up on the screen <laughs> no, that's okay. bare naked ladies <laughs> nude women uh, yeah, you know, um, no i'm that's following amazing. i'm following um but yeah so so who's you know if, if this is all happening again uh who gets to call like who gets to do the anthem 
Um, I'm gonna go with Nickelback on this one. Oof. Oh my god, my probably would be Nickelback. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Nickelback. Sean Desmond. No, I like that too. Pretty easy. Yeah. Right. Maybe 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 Sean Desmond does the U.S. And then Nickelback. Yeah, because they always game. bring in somebody on like the B list for the other countries mm-hmm, anthem, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Honestly, give me some Sloan. Ooh. Okay. okay. It'd be all, you know, it'd be like Fly Men from City. Halifax. Yeah, Money City Maniacs. Let's go. Um, Damn. Okay. Uh, last question here. So uh, the, the, the Jimmy King story is so funny to me because, uh, like, I think. Yeah, I mean, we've all been trapped in a scenario we don't understand or like we're trying we're trying something new and then, you know, things don't go well and yeah, Jimmy King uh goes to Phantom of the Opera and feels trapped like like the door <laughs> like, like, the, like that's the way I read it like the door shut and he's like I'm supposed to sit here the whole time like like he didn't really know what the deal was and I just love it so much like he's, uh, so anyways, what's what's your guys like Jimmy King Phantom Opera experience. Like, have you ever been trapped in something where you're like, I'm yeah, out? L- literally just Phantom of the Opera. I remember going to watch Phantom of the <laughs> Opera, Phantom in, of the Opera. In, in, in like grade seven. I remember it's like the chandelier would like fall, spoiler. Um, and then, and then like that would be the intermission. And like, I remember my first time, like, just going to theater and being like, yo, what's going on here, man? Why is this four hours? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's funny. I, I went to a play in university at University of Toronto, Mississauga, and uh, my friends and I went and we watched um, like it was like an hour and a bit, you know, like, you know, not too long. Uh, we watched the play. We came out of it. We were like, ah, that was that was all right. That wasn't bad. Like the, the acting was pretty good and everything. I was like, sorry to make a ton of sense. It's kind of weird at the end there. <laughs> Anyways, a couple days later, we found out we just left at intermission. There was still like a half hour or 45 minutes left of this play that we didn't see. So I am the opposite. I do not feel trapped. In fact, I will leave at intermission. I do not. Good for you. Wow. Yeah. This is. Didn't know it though. (laughs) This is reminding me when, when ESPN put out the 30 for 30 on OJ Simpson, it was like a 10 parter, um, like 10 episodes. This was like, I guess uh, they did this before the last dance. And I remember getting invited to like the media screening of it at TIFF Lightbox. So I kid you not, man, we started the screening at two and with breaks and stuff, we got out of there at midnight. (laughs) Yeah. Like it was, I got to check how many hours it was. I want to say it was eight, maybe not 10, but it's like, it, it was a whole thing. Like that's, I didn't feel trapped because I actually thought it was a very well done documentary. But that's that's the longest I've ever spent. I feel like in one one spot, just like watching something. That's yeah, that's wild. that's too much. Like your eyes hurt. Um, just, no, you, you just feel dazed. It's like you start your day wow. kind of, and then early afternoon you're in a theater, and then by the time you walk out, your night your day is over. Like yeah. it's it's kind of wild. Yeah. I did um I did that like that forty eight hour film challenge one time, and. You know, as soon as we started, I was like, I don't want to do this. And <laughs> you know what I mean? As soon you know as you started. But then, like, the other people you're with are like, okay, so what are our ideas? I'm like, man, I got to work. Like, so. So, wait, wait, <laughs> just what, wait, what, what, what is the 48 hour film? So, 48 hour film challenge is like a challenge that happens every year in Toronto. 
where you have to make like a film. Okay, you have to make. Um, okay, okay, that's what I thought. Uh, yeah, I probably didn't say the word film, which is key. No, you but, did, you did. I just oh. didn't understand. But yeah, so like, yeah, you got to make a film in forty-eight hours. So you get like a motley crew of people, and you're like, okay, what's our idea? We're gonna make this like short film or whatever. And I just sort of, I said yes to it, and then once I was in it, I was like, this movie's gonna suck, like straight up. This movie's gonna be bad, and I, I don't want to do it. Um, and I did it, but I, I hope that, I mean, I don't remember what it's like, so I, I hope it never sees the light of day. Okay, no, great. That's, uh, that's amazing. Also, like, not to go back to the tech issues, but like <laughs> this, this your, podcast, your, your, your screen, your video has been so blurry on this like third attempt <laughs> this entire time. I thought your hair was blue. <laughs> like I just, oh my God, you're wearing a hat. Because you just moved enough where I could see the snapback on the back. But this whole time, I was like, yo, why did Freddie color his hair like that? And I'm not going to judge. Freddie had a wow. wild night last night. How yeah. polite of you. You're like, man, Freddie's freezing all over the place. He's he's rattled by tech savvy and his hair is blue. Yo, he's green. It's a midlife crisis, man. I, I legit the whole time was so distracted because I'm like, yo, Freddie's hair is blue. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, is Freddie in a band? What's going on? <laughs> What's happening um, here? Well, I feel like I feel like that's that's a good time before I freeze again. Uh, Alex, I mean, thank you for your time. Thank you for being so polite and and not calling out my blue hair, dealing with the tech <laughs> issues. You know what I mean? Honestly, sticking it out with us, like, yeah, we wanted to have you on the pod forever. So. Uh, no, I, I appreciate awesome. it, man. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. And um, just make sure when I go back to when this comes out and I listen to it, I, you know, at least I get to listen to one of my laughing fits. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've come a long way from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, um, I feel like I'm in a daze. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't even know who I am anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know who you are anymore. <laughs> yeah, dude um but no all jokes aside next time i see you i'm gonna pretend like this didn't happen you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> you'll be like yo your podcast is weird i'm like what what, what, what podcast dude? sorry what are you talking about yeah, yeah. that's that's gonna be amazing I, I can't wait for that <laughs> um but really though thank you like your you know your book is incredible um and everyone should read it and enjoy it and it's just like yeah it's a, it's a really fun part of toronto history raptors history sports history and thank you man yeah no i appreciate you guys and um yeah i'm happy to do this again soon pick cool. it up it's called prehistoric the audacious and improbable origin story of the toronto raptors it's wherever fine books are sold right alex yes currently yes. sold currently sold out at most places but yes it's going, it's going to yeah. uh i believe it's going to a second printing soon so for everyone's kind of christmas needs just kind of keep an eye out um, you know, Amazon's currently sold out, but that's going to change. Um, Indigo Online, I believe, is sold out. But if you look up your local Indigo locations, you're going to find uh, you can see the stock uh, online. But all of that stuff is going to get replenished. So just keep this on your Christmas list for yourself, for your friends, for the Raptor fan that you know. Um, you know, appreciate all the support from from you guys and, and from everyone as well. Hell yeah. Um Everyone who's uh, listening to this, uh, thanks for the support as well. And subscribe to Raptors Republic. And yeah, thanks, dude.
Yeah. <laughs> you know what no, I mean? the, like I feel um, like we need to ride the wave a little bit until <laughs> until you freeze again. <laughs> I know. Yeah, like it's Give like us a breather, honestly, yeah. Based on the way it's been progressing, like I will yeah. freeze again. You know, I just um, I just love the idea of like how hard we've worked um to like get you back online, get you connected, and it's possible you could freeze in like three minutes. And we would have wasted that whole time talking about you freezing. Wait, in your so internet plan. Your phone's not with like Wind Mobile, is it? Also, did Freddie no, actually? No, again? he actually. Did. Oh no! No, that's oh, a joke. No. He's just. He's I can't this. tell. I no, can't that's tell. Oh, did he freeze again? That's a legit freeze. Oh my god! Oh, my god. <laughs> Hold on, I need to take this video. <laughs> the face, though. How did I freeze? How did I freeze in a hot spot? You're frozen. You're frozen. <laughs> Yo, we can hear time. him, but he's frozen. You can hear you. Oh this my god! This guy's haunting.